Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast, episode 26. Booyah! Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast, episode 26. I'm Travis. Hey, this is Dan. Dan, how's it going, my man? Life is good. Happy Easter. Hey, happy Easter. Life is good. Um, RunFit365's had a busy week. Mm-hmm. You've, like, responded to, like, what, um, 2 million emails? <laughs> yeah, or, exactly. Or, or, or 15 or so? <laughs> somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in that range, right? Yeah. Yeah, so um, I know you and I have a lot to cover on this podcast. Why don't you kick off and go through um, at least a high level of what we're going to go through in episode 26 here? Absolutely, and and we will have to be somewhat efficient. There are lots of things that we're excited to cover. Um, I want to talk about uh, um, a run Fit 365 athlete that came through and, and emailed us back. Um, his most recent race using one of our plans. It's an awesome, awesome story about his improvement. I'm real excited to talk about that. Um, we'll probably talk a little bit about T-shirts again, how we're plugging those, and um, more more ideas that were that are coming down the pipe with that. I do have a follow-up email from last week's tapering discussion. Um, an, addi- an additional question I just wanted to speak to a little bit because other people might have that question. Um, got two more questions this week that. Uh, between that and just thinking about um, in where people are in their training cycles, a lot of people are coming into close to race day. And so we thought we would pull together basically a race day discussion. And what that has turned into is a race series. So we'll talk a little bit about what we'll be uh, discussing over the next four weeks or so in terms of race day and, and what to expect in terms of discussion. And then today we're going to talk um, one of those that the first week um, is about the, the week coming up to race day and some planning, a little bit about uh, things that you might have to plan for, such as chafing, blisters, uh, falling off nails, things like that, things that we probably should have covered before now, but you'll still need to consider. So lots to talk about. Yeah, and Dan, you're you are like a genius though because you know those are the things like week one, week two out from a race. Like I know several people that are getting ready for their first spring marathons right now, mm-hmm. and those little things like chafing or um, you know what happens when a nail falls off or what you know those things for a first timer, um, that's good info for them to have. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to these next four weeks, and I hope that um, you know if there's any first timers listening, I'm sure sure you'll have um, tons of good info um, over the next four weeks from Dan here. So so tell us about this PR, and I'm just thinking about um, you know earlier this year we talked about a PR challenge, mm-hmm. and we we launched that, and we've been slowly getting people's feedback um as the spring race series kind of picks up a little bit so so what's this latest one this latest one is from an athlete that um i actually had quite a bit of correspondence with back in the fall um he he wanted to do his research and find something really good to step up his game he did his first marathon last year um in april uh i think it was april um 
basically the same race that he just repeated. And what's cool about the whole thing is uh, he, he wanted to do his research and make sure that he's getting the best thing so he could do a lot better. His goal, like his, his last marathon he did in four hours and 34, 34 minutes, I think, 434, 435. And his goal was to beat a four-hour mark. And so that's a significant improvement. And we, we talked a lot about that. You know, is it something that's doable? Is it... Um, you know, something you should even shoot for. And he ended up using the 28-week uh, intermediate marathon plan. And so I got this email uh, early early last week. It was right after our podcast last week. And it was so exciting to read because, you know, kind of feel like I know him a bit uh, just from the correspondence. And he, <laughs> I wasn't sure what to expect. I was kind of biting my nails as I was reading through kind of how he did. And he did the exact same marathon, so keeping everything else the same, he came in at three hours and 55 minutes with a total improvement, almost 40 minutes um, improvement, which is just un- unbelievable. That's, if you think about it, it's at least a minute and a half per mile improvement, which is just huge. So I just want to put a, a, a shout-out to Michael from uh, Slovakia. He's, he's the one that did it uh, and just tells you that if you – you know, follow something that's structured and, and based on science and, and actually follow the plan. He did to a T, pretty much. Uh, anything can be possible. So I've got a blog um, kind of pending his approval. He sent me his story, and I, I put it in a blog, and I just want him to review it. But I'll put out his full story um, for everybody to see, but I just thought I'd, I'd let everybody know about that. It's really cool. That's awesome. Congrats, Michael. That's, that's huge. Um, what was the what was the PR total minutes? What, was it forty? What would you say it was? I think it's thirty nine. It's from a four thirty four to three fifty five. It's just incredible. Thinking of yeah. PRing by thirty uh, thirty nine minutes. That's just awesome. That's cool. unbelievable. Yeah. So the next next topic is some T shirt discussion. Um, you know, as as you guys all know, we're um, trying this T shirt thing. Uh, one of our campaigns just closed. We had a few few uh, people go out and get some shirts to support us. We're trying to get a little bit more creative, so uh, you got some really cool designs to choose from. So keep looking at our resources page um, to continue to see what kind of T-shirts we're coming up with, and we'll let you know as we release them. We've got a few kind of brewing to, uh, down the pike to release here soon. Anything else on T's? No, um, and it's just resources, then RunFit365 Gears, where we're um, uploading those. And stay tuned to, like, um, Facebook and Twitter and things like that. We'll post those as those T-shirt designs come online for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just a quick follow-up from our tapering discussion. Um, Adrian emailed me and, and had a good question. Um, she heard, you know, we talked about half marathon and marathon tapering. And um, said, or asked the question, she's doing a 10-mile race. And how does that differ from half marathon? Because they're, they're pretty close in distance. And just to kind of, because other people might um, have similar questions, my recommendation is to continue like you're doing a half marathon. They're very similar. It's probably a little conservative. You could probably get away with a little bit less tapering, but... Conservative is probably better. So just to remind you what that looks like, it's uh, 
not the week of your race, but the week prior is bringing uh, your total volume down by about half, keeping the same kind of activity you've been doing. And then just simply the week before, um, bring your volume down a little bit more, making sure you're not doing any more than about 30% of the volume um, of the harder runs. So for example, if you're doing um, you know, tempo runs, make sure you're only doing about 30% of that volume of that same kind of run, so you're not overdoing it the week of race day, but uh, of race week. But a 10 mile taper is very similar to half, and in fact, you could just sort of duplicate that. So, just a follow up question, I did an- answer her directly, but just thought I'd mention that on this uh, podcast as well. Okay. We had, we had two more questions from a couple of listeners that will be addressed um, during this race series. So, just to kind of give you a heads up. On the, on the race series discussion tonight, I told you what we're talking about. Um, week two of the race series, we'll be talking about uh, the evening before your race day um, through all the way th- up until the race starts so that gun goes off. That'll be our week two discussion. Our week three discussion will be um, from the race start to after the race, all the way through you know, nutrition, et cetera, after the race. And the week four, we'll be talking about recovery and, and sort of the rules and guidelines around how long you should recover, um, you know, what your training should look like in that period of time, uh, you know, what you might consider in the meantime, et cetera. So those are our four, four weeks of our race series that we're looking to do. We might switch things up depending on how long it takes to cover things, but that's kind of what our thoughts are. Sounds good, Dan. So um, we've got about 20 minutes for, for week one, so um, I think we'll be in good shape, don't you? I think so. I think uh, we, can, we can go through this relatively quickly. And um, so starting out, we'll just talk a little bit about um, the, the fun things that happen on race day and even on training runs leading up to race day. Um, chafing, blisters, uh, nails falling off, those are three very common things. And those are um, super fun. I mean, oh, yeah. let's not underestimate how fun those things are. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely uh, personal things, a lot of people, but, but most runners, um, you know, experience. So let's kind of go through them. Um, and so first, first is chafing. And chafing is simply uh, friction. And it could be uh, between your, your skin and skin, so body parts, between two different body parts can also be between your skin and your clothing. Some common areas you might experience this are, um, you know, your arms, between your arm and your chest, your side of your chest, um, between your thighs. Um, hate to say it, but your, uh, you know, your nipples, everybody has that issue as well. Um, and it can be, uh, especially in elastic areas, places that are tight on seams um, and just, uh, between skin and clothing, just kind of anywhere. So, chafing is a very common thing, and there are things that you can do to prevent it. Yeah, we had a great Easter, Dan, and don't ask me how this came up over kind of our Easter lunch, but um, my uncle was here and he was talking about chafing around um, the nipples because he, you know, again, he just went for a run on Saturday and was wearing one of these dry fit shirts, and, and he came back and you know, that's such a sensitive spot and if, you know, moisture settles on your shirt. Um, so we talked about some very simple tactics like, you know, band-aids and I'm sure you're going to cover some of those things, but, 
um, you know, just putting band-aids over your nipples um, really helps prevent that from happening. Um, and we kind of joke, we said, you know, you don't want to be that guy on, you know, checking your race photos to see um, the end result of that <laughs> negative experience, <laughs> if you know what, what I mean. Yep, uh, I sure yeah. do. And, and the good news is um, I'm going to share a, a product that probably most people don't know about. Um, that was turned on to me several years ago that just works miracles in terms of, of that kind of uh, irritation. So I'll get to that in just a minute. Um, so talking about prevention of, of this kind of chafing, um, let's talk about skin to skin first. So this is where a body part's rubbing against a body part. Um, most commonly probably is between the thighs. And pro- I, I would say the number one thing you can do is buy... Um, sort of the material compression shorts, lycra, spandex, that that material that's really slick that you can put in between those skin-to-skin areas, that's probably your your best bet to just sort of reducing or even eliminating that level of chafing. Um, If you can do that, then you don't really usually need anything else. Other people I've heard um, use a product called Body Glide. I... I've had mixed uh, experiences with that stuff, but a lot of people swear by it. So Body Glide might be an opportunity for you. And then a lot of people use Vaseline as well. And it's basically any material that's going to allow those two surfaces to rub without creating a lot of friction. Keeping in mind that, especially if you're running like 26 miles, that stuff can wear down and wear out. So that's why... I suggest something, some sort of material to go through because that'll last the whole time. Um, any other thoughts on skin to skin, Trav? Yeah, va- Vaseline's the go-to um, that that I always use, and you're right. It's typically um, at least the the thigh area, and I, I also use it on my uh, feet where I, you know, when you're out there for twenty six point two. Um, you can anticipate some hot spots, but just a light layer of Vaseline kind of on your arch and the ball of your foot, um, and even on the toes doesn't hurt. And then right there between your thighs, typically, like you said, Dan, where you're in kind of your liner of your running shorts, um, kind of rubs right up against your legs. Um, I typically put some Vaseline there just for prevention and, um, I find that to be enough, but Vaseline's what I go to. I've had mixed results with Body Glide too, um, and Vaseline's just so easy. You can find it at any kind of convenience store, drugstore. Um, you know, even if you're in a pinch at race day and you you know you don't have it in your bag, you can always run to a CVS or a Walgreens or a drugstore somewhere, and you can always find some Vaseline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad you uh, alluded to some of the other areas that are um, not skin to skin. So we'll talk about skin to clothes now. Um, And like your feet is a good example. Again, socks. We'll talk about blisters here in a minute uh, because it it speaks a lot to that. Um, There's a product that uh, somebody turned on to me years and years ago um, that I just find amazingly helpful uh, one of the chafing areas that I've had issues with is the spandex that I have have minimal seams, but when you run for a long, long, long time, those little those little seams um, can cause irritation, uh, even burns, um, 
you know, like in elastic areas and things like that on compression shorts. Um, and same thing with uh, blisters and, and on the feet, like you use Vaseline. Um, there's, a, there's a product called Bag Balm, B-A-G-B-A-L-M. And it's, <laughs> it's funny, the history of it has been used for all kinds of things nowadays, but it was originally invented, I, I believe, for um, making uh, cows feel comfortable when they're being milked. It's this great, great stuff for your skin they found, and um, when the guy first told me about the stuff, I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm not going to use that. But I found the curiosity, and it, I, I could actually find it in the pharmacy at like a Meyer. It's this green um, square container. It's a relatively thick um, sort of stuff. It's it's well, it's a lot thicker than Vaseline. So I, I would not use it skin to skin, and to me, it's not good. Um, for skin to skin, but wherever you have skin to clothing or material, it's just amazing. You can slather some on the bottom of your feet. I've never had any issues with blisters since I've done that. Um, Those areas where the seams kind of go through and and can irritate your skin or elastic, I just put some of that. It doesn't bother me at all. Um, and, And as I'm reading through their site and stuff, just sort of preparing for this, there's finding all kinds of, I mean, people talk about they get burned on their skin and they use that and it, and it helps. So um, I, I'm no way associated with bag balm, but I've had so much good experience with it and I hear other people too that I thought I'd put it out there. The one thing I'd say is if you're going into a race this coming week or whatever, um, don't try something new. If, if you're already using Vaseline or whatever, continue to use that. But if you still have some training runs and, and you want to give it a try, I think it's worth it. Um, specifically, Travis, you, you mentioned Vaseline on the bottom of your feet. Yeah, I've tried that before, um, but what I find is it's, it makes it sort of slippery to run. It helps with that friction, but it's sort of slippery where this stuff is a little thicker, yeah. and it pr- provides that barrier, but it's not slippery. It's, it's a lot thicker, so um, consider that. Give it a, give it a try, and it, it's good for nipples. It's good for um, those seamed areas, your feet. Um, just lots of great places for that stuff. Yeah, I'll give that a try on um, Saturday. It's the last kind of long run before our, you know, before Boston, so I can report back on that because I just checked out the website and not only you're right, it's like this little green container, but they do have a cool little um, kind of motto here that says an utterly cool herd. So, (laughs) I mean, add that to the coolness factor of this, but you're right. I think it looks like just from the history of this, it was used, um, you know, with, with cows and milking. So, but it does, you you can just tell visually that it looks much thicker Mm -hmm. um, than, than, uh, Vaseline in some of these images. So, um, yeah, I'm going to give this a go. Give it a go. Um, I, I think you'll find it's, uh, it's really good. Um, so other other materials um, for the clothing, uh, there's actually a product called NipGuard. I'd not heard of it before. I did a little research on, on this topic. Um, so I can't say one way or another whether it works, but just know it's out there. Again, like you said, Travis, bandages. I think sort of the typical thing is Band-Aids, yeah. um, things like that. So, um, And, of course, Vaseline also can, can be a good one. But I, I think... Tr- Check out the bag balm for this one. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, so that's that's chafing in general. Blisters is another kind of chafing that, that leads to worse things. 
and um, very common on, on long runs, especially if you're not well-trained. But this is where friction occurs that eventually separates the layers of skin and fluid accumulates. And, you know, everybody knows what a blister is. But when you um, have them in the wrong spots where you run, um, it, it creates some major problems for you later. So um, just, just speaking in general, um, the one thing that I think I, a lot of research I did today, and, and I know well about blisters, but a lot of sites um, talk about popping blisters. And yes, that, that can provide a lot of relief. The one thing I would say is popping a blister uh, is, a, is a big uh, risk for infection. So um, I won't say anything about how to do it or whether to do it specifically because really that, that should be something that has to be done in a sterile way and best by, done by your physician. Um, and it's best not to pop it if you, if you can get away with it. But I do know that um, bigger blisters and, and the ones under pressure can cause a lot of pain. So what I would say is, is to get it done in a sterile environment. Um, that's probably the number one thing. But there's also lots of ways to prevent them. And mainly that is by uh, good, running, good fitting running shoes. Um, so, you know, I, used, I just did this last week with Travis not to use anything new on race day. And um, he bought new racing shoes the, the, the night before. And that is asking, I don't, I, you never said, Travis, do you ever get any blisters that day? Uh, <laughs> you just have to keep bringing this up. <laughs> yeah, it, tons. I mean, my whole, and not like these small blisters. I had um, right at the balls of both of my feet, these massive blisters that were just huge. Um, and I still cannot. I still can't get myself there as far as why I did that, but yeah, it, it's not a good idea. Um, if anything, um, I'm glad that I can tell that story though, because I mean, it, it just goes to show you, you can't, you know, try anything new on race day and it's not even shoes. You know, the, these big races, they have tons of things at these expos. Um, and you just know that people are trying on new shirts and new shorts, um, you know, just go with what you've, you know, raced in in the past or trained in in the past just to be safe. But yeah, I had some pretty brutal blisters that day to say the least. Well, I only bring that up because I'll never be, Travis is a, is an awesome runner. And so the only thing I have on him now is, is that day and where he made that fatal mistake. So <laughs> I just have to keep bringing it up. Yeah. Keep reminding me. I'll never do it again. That's for sure. <laughs> but I was curious if you got a lot of blisters because that is, Probably the number one thing is um, when you get brand new shoes is to work them in slowly so you you can, you know, avoid that sort of issue. But good fitting shoes and, and ones that you've worn in a bit are the best way to prevent them as well as uh, socks that can wick well um, to keep some of the moisture out. Um, a lot of people recommend two pairs of socks. Um that's not a bad idea, although I find for myself, um, you know, you, you, your shoes have to accommodate that all the time. And so it's really hard to find two pairs of socks that, um, it's shoes that will accommodate two pairs of socks sometimes and one pair of socks other times. Plus it can also uh, cause you a lot more heat. So um, just those are considerations, but two pairs of socks um, should help with some of that friction as well. And then I'll say it again, that bag bomb, um, I swear by it. 
uh, again, I don't, I don't work for them. I don't advertise for them. But um, if you put some of that on your feet and again practice it, I I think it's great stuff for avoiding a lot of that stuff. There's also another product called Moleskin, M-O-L-E-S-K-I-N. I don't know much about it. I have heard about it in the past. And again, if you have areas that you're prone to getting blisters, uh, putting some Moleskin in those areas, I guess, can help uh, reduce your risk. In the, you, know, you, you wouldn't want to use it on your whole foot. But if there's areas that you're prone to getting blisters, that, that helps evidently. So those are blisters. Um, and talking a little bit about uh, nails, our favorite subject, uh, everybody's heard horror stories of, of marathoners that um, where their nails turn black and fall off. And, um, you know, you, particularly you hear about those after race day and you, you just see people in, those, in the health tent afterwards and, you know, they're missing a nail and stuff like that. Um, and that doesn't just happen because you've raced that day. But really what happens is um, that your nail hits uh, – if, if you don't have proper fitting shoes, then your nails, your toenails can hit the front of your shoe, the, the toe box, the front of the toe box. And over time, it basically – it's like a constant hammering because, you know, think of how many steps you take in a, in a 20 or 25 or 26-mile run. Um, it, it eventually loosens from the nail bed and falls off and you know the good news is it'll it'll grow back and it's not the end of the world you have to treat it and make sure it doesn't get infected and things like that um but there are ways to prevent that um the one thing i'll say is if if it's already happening to you um you know a lot of people think it's almost gone i'll just take it off avoid that because that's going to cause you some major pain and risk for infection don't pull it off it should fall off on its own you know, it's not extremely convenient for it to be hanging there, but avoid that temptation. But in order to prevent that, your best bet is to get good fitting shoes. And sort of the rule of thumb, pun intended, is that you have uh, one thumb length or thumb width, I'm sorry, between your big toe and um, the end of your toe box. So, you know, when you're being measured for shoes, a lot of times people will do that. They'll stick their thumb down there. That's purposeful for running shoes. Uh, because you want to make sure there's enough room that if you're running, um, the, the shoe fits well, but has enough room in the front to where your, your, the front of your toe is not hitting the, um, the front of the shoe. Particularly important if you have a lot of downhill running because you tend to slip to the front of the, of the toe box in that case. Um, but and I've also heard... Um, you know, I always say go to a shoe store where they know what they're doing and, and be fitted properly. Um, a lot of people say your your running shoes should be about a half size bigger than your normal street shoes. I don't know if that's 100% true all the time. I recommend you always get fitted by somebody who knows what they're doing. But um, typically, it's it's a thumb width in front. And then um, the other sort of uh, tip is to, to keep your nails properly trimmed. Don't let them get too long because, of course, the longer they are, the the more risk of hitting the, the front of that. So, um, Trav, I don't know if you had any experience with that or know anything else about that. Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, keeping your to you, you know your toenails trimmed is so important. And you know, even if they're just like a, a hair too long, I've had experience where 
um, you know, typically it's, for me, it's at least my, it's one either my pinky toe or the toe right next to it um, that, that tends to just kind of drive the toenail into the toe next to it. And, you know, you may be able to look at your toenails and say that they look perfectly groomed, but um, be really careful um, to play, you know, pay close attention to that because um, in the past I've been burnt by that just by thinking that, you know, look at, look at these finely manicured or pedicured feet here. And then the next thing you know, that the toenail, um, it, for me at least, it's the, you know, your pink, my pinky toe, um, and I'm sure everyone's different, but that one has a tendency to drive um, into the toe next to it. And if I don't pay close attention to that, um, that could cause trouble during a race. Absolutely. So pay attention to what you're, what's happening to you in training so that you know, you know, what to plan for on race day. Cause you add a few more miles that you haven't been running and, and worse things will happen if you don't prepare. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So our topic this week, that was a little bit about things that we, we probably should have covered before, but I wanted to cover them tonight because, um, if you have any issues like that, or, or if you need to prepare, which we all need to prepare for that, those sort of things, those are things you're going to want to buy before race day. And so we're talking about tonight the, the week leading up to race day, uh, up until the evening before, which we'll, we'll talk about the evening before the next podcast. But um, you're going to want to start a shopping list and, and go get everything on that shopping list prior to um, the evening uh, before race night. So um, we have in our plans a race day checklist. And uh, what what I was just telling Travis before this podcast is uh, there's no reason we can't put that uh, on our resources page on our website um, in addition to the blog. And that's what we're going to work to do, both a, a, um, a pre-race day checklist, which will include things like you know, if you're doing an out-of-town race, plane tickets, hotel confirmations, um, you know, bringing, you know, things that, that don't really apply to race day itself, but more things that you want to make sure to pack. So it's maybe a race day packing list. Um, so we'll put something like that out there. And along, along the same line are things that you'll want to, to take on race day. And so as, as I talk through some of these race day items, um, a lot of these will apply to a shopping list as well. And so the shopping list is going to be broader than the race day checklist, but let's just talk a little bit about the checklist real quick. Um, things like clothing, um, if, if you need new clothing, and again, try to avoid anything new if you can, but you know, sometimes you, you know, what if you just ripped your shorts or something and you need to get new shorts? So, um, you know, shorts, tops, socks, uh, avoid shoes. Yeah, just put a little disclaimer on there or something, Dan. You know, just like tra- this is for Travis Lozier, not to don't buy shoes or something. Don't do a Travis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't do a Travis. Everyone would be able to relate to that, and, and it, <laughs> it might ring a bell for me too. <laughs> um, things like if you know if you have bottled water or something before, you want to make sure to put that on your shopping list. Um, energy sources, if you do gels or bars or, or energy drinks, things like that. You'll want to put that on your shopping list. Um, uh, snacks after the race, you know, sometimes a lot of times they provide you the snack, but some of us um, have special needs in terms of what works for us. So if that's you, you'll need to put that on your shopping list. 
Um, See, so I'm just looking through here. Safety pins. A lot of people, or a lot of races supply them, um, but it's not a bad idea to have extras. Even better, you know, I've, I use a, a race belt, a bib holder, and that's that's a huge time saver um, to have that available. So that's that's a, a worthy thing to buy. You know, um, the, the things that we just talked about in terms of a shopping list: um, bag balm, Vaseline, body glide. Moleskin, nip guards, bandages, things like that. You want to make sure you have that in your supply, um, or at least on a list to go buy um, your race morning breakfast, that sort of thing. So we're kind of talking about the shopping list here. And what I'd like to do on the website is the resources page. Not only have a race day and a pre-race day checklist, um, but sort of a shopping list for you to choose from common items that you might need to remember. Um, and you can obviously check the things that you want to get and, and not, but um, that would be something that we're looking to do hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So um, a little bit more on the race day checklist. And again, this will be these are part of our plans today um, as well as will be on the website. But uh, things that you'll want to take with you um, and plan for, uh, and, and maybe this is more of a, t a topic for the evening before the race, but um, things that you might want to consider buying are uh, race top, or I'm sorry, uh, after race top or bottoms, things that keep you warm if it's particularly a, a cold time of year. Um, a pre-race, you know, sweats or something, something you don't care about, a lot of races, and you can check with your race first, uh, will allow you to sort of start running or shed uh, certain clothing prior to the race, um, and they use those as donations to shelters and stuff. But it keeps you warm right up until the minute uh, you race. So you know, if you need an old pair of sh uh, or a, a new pair of cheap sweats or something to do that with, that might go on on your shopping list as well. So just kind of looking through our race day checklist and trying to figure out what are good things that you would might need to plan. Uh, before the evening of race day. And then again, next week we'll talk a little bit more about this checklist and, and, and creating yourself a schedule for the next morning. Anything I missed that's pretty obvious, Travis? No, I thought that was a really good list. And uh, again, I, I just think it's perfect timing with everyone getting ready for their spring you know, marathons and half marathons. Dan, I think that's going to be a great list. And I think that checklist... You know, I, I, we were talking a little bit before the podcast, and I just can't remember. And there may be stuff out there online, but with your vision of just getting these checklists on our website at runfit365.com, where people can just access those and download and print, I think that's going to be a real helpful tool for people. Um, you know, it's just one last thing that can give runners a peace of mind before. Um, you know, packing their bags and going away for this race that they've trained for, you know, sometimes over 28 weeks. So um, I, I thought that was a really good idea. Um, and like you said, they're in our plans now, but just make it easy for people to, you know, find those and access those and use those to prep for the races. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, make it a no-brainer. Usually your nerves are high uh, leading up to the race, so... The, the more you plan, the, the better off you are. You don't have to worry about thinking about all the things you need. If you have something in front of you that walks you through, here's the common things, 
here's a place that you can put some of the things you need to you. Um, pre- prepare that the week before and then make sure you're packing and preparing everything the night before. Um, make yourself a schedule, which we'll talk about next week, so that in the morning all you have to do is pick up the bag you've packed and um, you know walk through that schedule and make sure you're, you're doing things at the right timing. Nice. Well, thanks again, Dan, for all the research. I know you, you did some of this over the holiday here, so um, totally appreciate that. And for those of you that are still listening um, to our podcast, please continue to give us your feedback and questions. I think that um, you know we love hearing the feedback, and I, I think as these spring races start to uh, peak, we we love to hear about the PRs and the PR challenge. Uh, you know, again, Michael's thirty-nine minute PR is just kind of unheard of, and it's truly inspiring for people out there that are still looking for you know, a PR motivation. So we love to use those stories to tell um, to other people out there that may be listening that that are still searching for that 39-minute PR. Um, So, Dan, you know, as we close, do you have any final remarks here? Nope. uh, Just look forward to the next three weeks of of more information about race day and, and leading up after or leading to after race day. And if there's things that uh, you want us, now that you know what we're talking about, the next three podcasts or so, um, if there's things specifically that you um, want to hear about, please let us know this week so we can include them. And uh, we'll just make sure and try to do a good job for you. Yeah. And you always do a great job. So um, I'm going to do the honors this time. Uh, Thanks for listening and happy training. (laughs) 